I'm John Feldman. And I'm Andrew Smith. And this is The Rally Call. And we're live. Today, we are going to discuss a controversial topic, one for many sellers I'm sure is going to trigger post-traumatic stress disorder, the quarterly business review, also known as the QBR. I'll start with a little story about a quarterly business review I participated in as a first-line manager many years ago. It was a grill session that lasted three-quarters of the day. And instead of providing us with advice on how to better motivate our reps or provide feedback or lead a team more effectively, it was, what are you doing to make these people work harder? The good reps, the ones that were already at plan and were looking to hit the plan for the year, the questions were, why are they not doing more? And maybe their territories are too big. The the non-performing reps, it was a really harsh conversation about, well, what are they doing here still? What's their problem? Why can't you get them to work harder? That lasted all day. And the next day, we had all the sellers come in and uh, participated in mostly a cheerleading session with some useless product updates and motivational speaking. And at the very end, they broke out these remote control electric Formula One cars that were uh, things that they were going to send to CIOs and uh, other executives in, in the hope of getting a meeting. And they raced these cars around the conference room with the idea that the winning district manager would get some quota relief. And at the last minute, one of them grabbed the, other, the other's remote control, causing him to lose, and he won himself. And the VP said, that's the kind of competitiveness I want to see on the team. That's what it takes to win. It, cheating, really. But... I looked over at a colleague at that moment, we locked eyes, and we both said at the same time, what are we doing here? And I made a decision then, I did not want to be around these people anymore. And I was gone by the end of the year, transferred to another part of the company, and he had gone to start his own business. So the quarterly business review, as it took place then, it still sometimes happens, and we're going to talk today about why it needs to die. Andrew, I think what we're saying today is that that type of QBR session, we're, we're declaring it over. We're declaring it dead. And the reason why is that the generation shift, the people who are in sales today are not the same people who were in sales, you know, 15 years ago. But for some reason, that QBR antics still exists. That, that unpleasantness where you walk in and you do the dance still exists. And people don't enjoy that. That's a generation of jumping how high, and we're not involved in that anymore. This is the generation of recognizing that leading is investing and growing in talent that comes from a place of genuine care and success for others. That's the way you get the best out of your people. So it's the third week of July. And for those organizations that have a calendar, calendar fiscal year, this marks the point when the H1 analysis is complete. And the reality that Q4 is only 75 days away sets in. So the sales year is coming very close to either a brutal close in Q4 or a celebratory period of success. So sales AEs are being asked right now to complete a PowerPoint deck that was sent to them probably by sales management or somebody in operations. They'll wait until the last minute to complete this deck. And it's often a combination of what, what do you see often, John, in this deck? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's, it's let's tell everybody what you did last quarter, right? 
why it was good, maybe why it wasn't. And I'm frankly, I'm not sure why managers ask this or, or operations ask this. They know the results. And I can guarantee you, so do the teammates around you know how you finished and you know how they finished. So they're asking you to present data that they already know, which is kind of a bit funny. The second point is, it's, it's to tell everyone what you'll do this quarter. This part I believe in, right? This is the forecast and this is what, uh, this is what you're gonna roll up and, and why they should believe you. And then finally, it's the uh, tell us what you need, right? And what I love about the tell us what you need the most is that it's usually the same shit that you asked for in previous QBRs. So I look at the faces of leadership when I go over the, hey, these are the big rocks. And they usually have that look of guilt. There's like, I've heard this before. That's still a big rock, right? But it's a reiteration of like the past three or four QBRs where you've said that like, you know, issue number one is still there. It always bewilders me why a salesperson is asked to type their numbers, their performance numbers onto a a PowerPoint slide. When we live in the age where there's more data than ever that can tell you how long your phone calls last, how long your pauses are on your phone calls, yet you can't provide the numbers for me, you ask me to do it. I, I really don't understand that one. And regarding the help that you need, this isn't the type of conversation that you want to have about the help you need. Don't ask someone, hey, fill out on the slide what help you need. This is supposed to be a conversation that happens all the time. So if you're lucky, you might get to do this one-on-one with your manager in a QBR. And maybe sales ops will be there and maybe a second line manager will, or a VP will be present while you present this information. If you're unlucky, and I think most people are still unlucky and do it this way, you'll do it in a one or two day long meeting, which you may need to fly to, right? So it's actually three or four days when you put the travel in. You'll sit with the whole sales team and all the supporting roles of customer success and pre-sales behind them, watching each person go through the motions of presenting this PowerPoint deck that they didn't make and frankly, they don't want to give and that they don't believe in, right? So... There'll be a dinner one night. Maybe you'll be hungover and be spared the next day. You'll learn little. You'll retain even less. So uh, I'll tell you a story. When I was uh, presenting at a QBR, and this was one of those fly-in events, two days, dinners, drinks at night, uh, almost like a like a, a bro fest kind of. I would say what it was. And the SVP, which was my boss's boss's boss, uh, took the far table. And I could tell that during the QBRs, including mine, that they were doing their expenses. Literally putting things into concur, you know, reading the expense, watching him do it. And he literally popped up his head for about four seconds to say that he was questioning why the Western Canada growth rate was not on par with like some tech giant headquarters like uh, the Bay Area or Austin, Texas or New York City. And he kind of made me feel like I wasn't doing my job and that I wasn't performing up to those levels. But we had had a discussion before where he had said to me, hey, like we know that this is an emerging market. We don't expect it to be that way. But he kind of called me out in front of the others much contrary to what he told me in private. And it was really, really uncomfortable because he wanted to show the, br- the bravado of his role to put pressure on me. 
And I remember that feeling and going like, why did you do this? Is this one of those things to make me as an example of somebody who has to step up and do better? Because it, it, it brought out the opposite approach in me. The, the approach was like, they don't support me. They don't understand me. It's criticism. But in the back channel, it was support. And I, I never understood that. But the question is, John, did they go back to doing their expenses? Yes, he did right after, yeah. Okay. I, I, I love the example of the shining success one sales seller did this big deal. Why isn't everyone doing that? Why isn't everyone doing a deal that could have been a one-off, could have been a bluebird, could have been anything. And then they expect everyone else to do it. And, and it's a good example of the lack of value in most of these meetings. You wanted some help. And all you got was criticism. Exactly. And I've seen that before in QBRs where it's too much of, of, a, of a magnifying glass on performance rather than like, what can we do as a team in this room to move things forward and help? Yeah. And one step beyond that crit level of criticism that I think is worse is the emotional blackmail that some people undergo when this is bad companies do this, bad leadership does this, where they pressure you into committing a number that you don't, you don't yourself think is realistic. And you're committing 75% of your number or something below your number, and they push you above your number. And it's unrealistic. And what always happens is people hold on to this number, they keep forecasting it for one month, maybe to the second month. And that's why at the beginning of the third month of the quarter, the commit drops, the forecast drops because everyone starts to move, move out the deals that never really were in there anyway and never had a chance. And now you have a problem in month three where it's frankly too late to solve the problem. So in that context, Andrew, how would you handle the situation to just share with the listeners here? You're doing your QBR, you're getting the pressure, or hopefully this whole process dies. But how have you seen it handle, be handled really well? So what you have to say is you're comfortable with the number that you roll up, right? This is what I see realistically. I have other deals. Hopefully you have other deals that may solidify. Here's my commit. Here's my best case show how the numbers, the commit, and the best case relate to the pipeline and make sure that the deals match up. You have enough deals to hit the commit, enough in the, in the best case. All the numbers have to triangulate. And if things go as planned, you'll be in a position to increase the commit. And here are the dates of my next meetings about these deals. Here is my plan to increase the pipeline to cover that gap. Yeah. But do not ever agree to a number you don't believe in. Yeah. And then there's inevitably that one AE who's going to come up and do his QBR and he's going to forecast that big deal yet again, the million dollar deal that's gone from quarter to quarter to quarter. Like how many times have you seen that? Almost every QBR. So here's a pro tip. Never highlight the same deal in more than one QBR. If you talk about a deal in a big half million, million dollar deal in a QBR, and it doesn't close that quarter, don't talk about it ever again until it does close. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about it because the SVP will be in the back doing their expenses anyway, so they're probably not paying attention. So why do people do it this way? 
Um, they do it this way because it's a legacy. It's a thing of the past. It's been passed down. Um, we talked about it in the last episode where sales managers and sales leaders take pieces of what they learned from their predecessors. I actually think the QBR is one of the things that's been passed down from like generations. But I think now in this generation of selling, I just don't think in the way that we have witnessed it before, I just don't think it's effective anymore. And it certainly doesn't provide any value to the sellers. Yeah. And I also think that one reason people still do it is they don't know what to put in its place because they haven't done the work. They're not willing to do the work to put in the thoughtful care to build a structure of a meeting that is going to work through challenges provide support for people, remove obstacles, and really have a peer-to-peer conversation about how you can move the business forward, how you can improve performance. Yeah, that's that's motivational and that's inspirational. I, I, I would agree. And, and so what do you get in its place, Andrew? You get two or three days away from your family. You get a bunch of information that you're presenting back to them that they already know. And there's very little value from the sales rep's point of view in, in frankly, how to be better, how to get better. It doesn't take a lot to say, this is what my number was. This is what it's going to be. This is the help that I need. Right. But that, but after 18 times of hearing it from every single rep, it gets watered down. And the whole idea of the QBR, in my opinion, is, is just gone. And today we are going to talk about a better way. So what is this better way, John? What we're going to talk about today is a couple of other concepts that should be within the QBR, but we're going to change the name to it. So you're going to have to hold on to, uh, to your hats to hear that. But we're going to talk about skills, a session on an identified skill set that the team is potentially lacking that you should be investing in so that they can get better at their jobs. That's number one. Number two, the barriers. What is it in the business or outside of the business, but the things that they can control that they can get together on and blow up a big rock so that selling can become easier? Third, feedback. Feedback to a particular line of business, whether it's legal, whether it's product, or whether it's HR, whatever the department is that's going to help them do their job better or and ask for help. And then finally, of course, the forecast. And I have no problem with the forecast being in there, but the forecast should be at the back end and the value should be at the front end. So today we are changing the QBR to the SBF. Wow, that just rolls off the tongue, John. So what goes on in the SBF? Well, the setup here, we do acknowledge the revenue performance. We use that as a baseline for what needs to happen. But the structure of the entire event is about improving skills based on that revenue performance. Perfect example, skill development. Skill development improves the business performance. It improves rep performance. So as a manager or a leader, you've been running the team. You know that there's a consistent gap on the team. Every sales leader will know if there's a consistent gap on the sales team, right? You have to build that muscle. What better way than to spend a half day or a day acknowledging that this skill set has to be better and building a workshop around the team as a team effort 
in getting that muscle stronger. Perfect example I see in, in, in some businesses, pain quantification. People will say, well, what's the cost of the pain? And like they, they fundamentally don't know how to measure the financial cost. As an example, spend a day, build out a model, build out a methodology with your team. So that gets really, really tight in the, uh, in the sales cycle. Yeah, there are a number of skills that in most sales teams, people are deficient in. Pain quantification is one. Developing champions, I've seen be another one. Access to the decision makers. People find ways to work around these and they can be successful in doing so. Just like pain quantification, there are a lot of other sales skills that don't have the predictability and, and the repeatability that you want. Access to decision makers is one of them. Developing champions is another one that Great I point. see a lot. And if you can develop those skills so that it's predictable and repeatable, you can dramatically improve the performance of the team. And there's a whole bunch of these skills that you could work on. And as we discussed in the last episode, we live in the evidence era of sales. I'm coining that phrase. This is the evidence era of sales. Evidence era of sales. Gaps are front and center, whether it's on a sales loft sequence or whether it's on a series of gong calls. As a good manager, you know, you're the conduit. So take the time to identify what that skill is that people need to be better of and build a program that is going to help reps really, really get good at the deficiency. So another thing we have to focus on, part two, what are barriers to success? We're not talking about skill deficiency here. We're talking about the organizational barriers that are preventing people from doing the things that they do well. So think about the backlog in legal and how it affects the momentum of sales cycles. Think about the parts of the organization that are not delivering what they need to deliver to sales or not invested enough, frankly, by the organization to, to be operational. Yeah, and just like the good leader will recognize where there's a skill deficiency on the team, the good leader will also recognize the common blockers internally, the things that they can control. Like, let's preface that. The barriers are the things that we can control, right? And we blow up that process and just make it smoother. Barrier to legal, great point. The other thing is the statement of work, the SAO, right? The SAO can take a long time to write in some cases. In most cases, it's the same one that's been written 50 times. So let the business make a decision of which one can be canned and which one can be custom and let's speed up that process as an example. But the idea is there's a systemic issue across the team, blow it up, get together as a group, put together a new process, meet with that functional department and move it out of the way. So what we're talking about here are systemic issues which affect everybody on the team but can be resolved by the people in the room. You, you have the ability to do that, not the issues with the product, which are going to take six months to resolve, or issues with the company itself, right? Yes. John, what's the F in SBF? The F in SBF, Andrew, is feedback. And it's super important that we as sellers give feedback to the functional departments within the organization so they know what's going on in the front lines. A perfect example of this is marketing. Marketing looks at the, the uh, sales accepted opportunities or the leads that were created and it's a scorecard, right? And they say, well, we've done our job. But there should be a little bit of tension in, in some of these discussions where what you're seeing on the dashboard, the reality is, is that they 
could be better for X, Y, and Z reasons, as an example. And giving that feedback and holding accountability to the other departments should be part of this process because if it's becoming a barrier to success, we have to offload some of the issues that we see because we can't control them onto the groups that can. I think that there should be a level of healthy discourse between sales and marketing, and that should definitely be part of the QBR. And the people from product and marketing and the other supporting organizations should be present at the meeting. Agreed. And we talked about this in the last episode, right? Sales feels it first. It's a punch. We get hit. There's a delay. The other parts of the business are going to feel it later. They don't need to have the delay. Let's tackle this now. Let them know what's going on. Trust in the room and let's take care of the issue. So I love the feedback piece. What's the last one, Andrew? The forecast. So we have to talk about the numbers past and present. So unlike the traditional legacy QBR, we're going to let the manager talk about the numbers past and present and not the reps. We'll have a war room strategy session on top deals. But a forecast is just a reflection of the skill development. So we do spend time on the forecast. We want to move that up, but it all relates to how we move that up. Getting C sellers to be B sellers, getting B sellers to be A sellers. Everything comes back to the skill development. Yeah. So the idea here, folks, if you're listening, and I hope that you are, here's the key to this. The key to this is we are going to diminish the amount of time that people are spending on forecasts and numbers and what we did last quarter and what we're going to do this quarter. That is important, but let's dial that down. And we're going to increase the uh, the importance and the time spent on real issues that are stopping the team from being successful. And the idea here is when everybody leaves that room, they're super bought into what was discussed because they all had a say in how they're going to be better. Now that's motivation, that's inspiration, that's how you build a team. When everybody can look around and say, we all agree with what this plan is, we all have a stake in it, and this is what we're gonna do to go forward. And you solve those things in the two days, not what we discussed earlier, which is uh, an old school mental beatdown of why your number wasn't so good, or if it was good, why couldn't it be better? Or like racing cars around a conference room to get quota relief. So the traditional QBR we've talked about is a waste of time because it's a base runs on a basic template and everyone just walks through the template pretending to care and thinking that it makes a difference. And we all know it doesn't. Doing it differently requires work and time. The first time you do it, it will be a lot of work. But if you force people to come up with new solutions, you will come up with new outcomes. So as we've discussed, skills, Skill set, skill set development, barriers, blow things up, feedback, give the feedback to the departments that need to hear it so that they can help. And then there's the forecast. I like to call it the SBFF, Andrew, but maybe we'll wait to see what's going to stick. I didn't like it at first, but it's growing on me. We're going to have to let the viewers decide. SBFF. If you like the show, follow us on LinkedIn. We're the Rally Call. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple. Share the word. Let's get it out. There's a sales revolution coming, and it's starting with the Rally Call. The Rally Call is produced by Scott Switzer. And now for something completely different. If you like the show, share, subscribe. Let's get the world. Oops, shit. Everyone, if you like what you're hearing, follow us on Spotify. Sorry. 
You're not a preacher. All right. Everyone, if you liked us, share it on LinkedIn. Follow us on the Rally Call on LinkedIn. Start again. Oh, I hope that all you listeners are having as much fun listening to this. You sound like a fucking nerd. Go again. I hope everyone is having as much fun. <laughs> what the f Like, what do you want me to say? Just say, just say Peter.